Jacques Howard, I'm on location at Starbucks on South Warren Street in downtown Trenton. And um, this is segment two with uh, Algernon Ward, who is the North Ward Councilman candidate. And Algernon, um, in segment number one, you went over a bit about who your, ba your background, some of the things that you've been involved in in the city over your long tenured career and some of your history as a reenactor and organizations that you've been a part of. I'd like to focus these uh, next few minutes on talking about the three different subjects of one, solutions to problem to the problem of vacant properties, solutions to the problem of education, and solutions to improvement excuse me, to improve the quality of life in Trenton. And the first one I'd like to ask you about is under the solutions to the problem of vacant properties. And uh, one of your bullet points is pursue slumlords who milk tenants of their rent money but don't properly maintain the property. Can you elaborate? Exactly. It's a practice called milking. Um, the city has several um, programs, uh, homesteading and other auctions, usually auctions where people will come in and buy a vacant property and at a pretty low price, almost giving it away. And uh, uh, many people from out of town take advantage of the, of the auction process, buy the property. Uh, they do enough to get it back and to get a CO, a certificate of occupancy, to bring it up to code. But then they stop there and uh, charge tenants rent but when something breaks or something starts to deteriorate, you got to fight with them, cats and dogs, uh, in order to fix it. Of course, the tenant gets upset, and they stop doing what they need to do to maintain the property, and it, it continues to deteriorate. Even after it has serious problems like plumbing and heating and electrical problems, until an inspector comes and cites this person, they continue to collect the rent money. And uh, even when if the person gets fed up and moves, that property is still sitting there. And if, it's to, if that slumlord only paid a small amount for that property, he looks at it and says, well, I'm not going to pay the taxes. I'm not um, making any rent. So he lets it sit there, and it rots. And the bad part about that is right next to a homeowner. Mm -hmm. Now, that homeowner's property value starts to go down. Um, you got uh, problems with rodent infestations. If that house squatters might come in there and and do drugs and uh, set the doggone place on fire. So it's a, really a safety hazard for the remaining properties on that lot. And it looks terrible. And it, it's just a problem. It's, it, you know that in the city of Trenton, there's over 5,782 vacant properties, and I'm talking about lots and buildings, that comes to 20% of the properties in Trenton are vacant. That's an amazing statistic. We're talking one in five uh, of the properties in Trenton are vacant. That is un unsustainable. Um, we did sign an ordinance a few years ago. Um, I have to say it's one of the my suggestion for my last campaign and even though I wasn't elected the city council was wise enough to see a good idea and they actually did pass an ordinance and it was uh, it's called a um, property registration vacant property registration ordinance what that is if you have a vacant property if you're the owner in the first year we charge you uh, $100 to register your property in the second year if it's still vacant we charge you $200 for that property 
In the third year, these things go up to, a, I think, a maximum of $450. Up, no, up to 1000 excuse me. Goes up to $1,000. Five years, if you haven't done anything with that property, we're charging $1,000 registration fee as well as your taxes on that. Usually that prompts a uh, owner, especially if they're a slumlord, to either sell the, the, the property or fix it up. And uh, what happens when the registration fees, we take that money and use it to either clean lots or rehabilitate other houses. The problem is it's not enforcing. The Department of Inspections has not been enforcing that law enough. It does it sometimes. Not to say it doesn't do it at all. It does it sometimes, but the number of properties that we have not moved on, um, the estimate was since the um, ordinance was instituted till now, we've missed out on three and a half million dollars that we could have collected had we been aggressive in the pursuit of these uh, registration fees. So I want to move on to the next subject because I want to make sure we get through these three in a short amount of time. Under the title of Solutions to the Problem of Education, one of the bullet points you have is to train our children with the technical skills they need to compete in today's technology-based job market. And I know you covered that a little bit more in segment or previously in segment one. Can you give some specifics um, under that? Well, you'd be amazed at how bright our kids of this generation is. I mean, I, my jaw dropped open when I saw kindergartners very comfortable with a keyboard and a computer. They're, the ones that are exposed to it, they take to it like a duck to water. And they learn very, very quickly. The problem is, like I said, in some communities there's the digital divide. In other communities there's a, a language barrier. Um, and, and some of the uh, English language learners, uh, a computer in the house would help them a great deal with bringing up their reading and writing scores. In African-American homes, it would be a great deal for them to have more in access to information and help with their math. So um, we need to make access, uh, make it, make computers more accessible to our children. Computer labs, I mentioned, um, my computer giveaway, but that's, it's helpful, but it doesn't reach, a, doesn't reach a wide enough number of children. I've seen programs, in fact, they have one in Africa, but they're able to provide every student in the school with a computer. And I think the computers were very, very reasonably priced. I think 10, 15 bucks uh, for a solar powered computer. It was an amazing program. Uh, some foundation was buying those. Now, if they can do that in Africa, you mean to tell me we can't do something like that in Trenton? You know, we assign a computer to every child in the school that fits in his backpack and can, he can take it home. And by the way, we got a locator on that so the computer stays with that child and it won't, you won't be on it playing games, you'll be on it doing only schoolwork because it will only have that kind of access. And if somebody decides to take it, we can find that computer. Um, you know, because we have that technology now to follow your phone or your computer anywhere. Mm -hmm. I got it on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a program we need to explore. This is where I would look for help from foundations, Bill Gates and, and people of that ilk who would be willing to see if we can do something like that. Um, if they're willing to do it in Africa, I don't see why they wouldn't be willing to do it right here in the United States for, for a school system like ours. There's only 13, well not only, there's 13,000 children in our, our uh, uh, school system. And 
just improving the nature of education in our school system to address the technology that they will be facing in the job market is, is critically important. We have to stop burdening our children with a generalized education for specific tasks, particularly when the United States are now competing worldwide for those technology jobs. India is where a lot of the software that we're talking about is making. China is another. So we're, we're competing on a global scale now. It's not just Silicon Valley. And they're anxious to get the work uh, in those countries. And they support their education system. So we need to prepare our children to compete not only in the United States, but worldwide. So that generalized education, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I understand how being well-rounded and, uh, and exposed to things, but when you have specific issues that we have to work on, I say let's, let, let's give a little more focus. And of course, this all depends on parental involvement. It all depends on that. If a parent is serious about seeing their kids are educated, they would, they would, they're going to have to help us with this and, and make education a priority. And that can be done. It can be done. I know my parents were like that. Mm -hmm. And in about 45 seconds, I'd like you to answer this question here, and it's under the topic of solutions to improve the quality of life in Trenton. And one of the bullet points that you have is aggressively pursue illegal dumping violators, clean vacant lots, maintain our parks, and open spaces. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that affect the quality of life in any city, it's got to be clean. And if, if we have an issue with illegal dumpers, rather than paying the money to go dump it at the landfill, because they have to pay to do that, they find and they wait until at night, they pull up in the alley, dump the truck, and drive away. That's a problem, because, I mean, not only is it disrespectful and dangerous and unhealthy and unclean, I mean, it, it really degrades the morale of the people if you're looking at trash everywhere, other people's trash. Um, Illegal dumping it is illegal, by the way. You're not supposed to be able to do that. But for whatever reason, um, it continues to happen. So it tells me that whatever we're doing is not enough. Now, we do have a camera system in Trenton, and I'm going to investigate why it isn't as effective as it, as it should be. And I want to stop you right there. And in 30 seconds or less, can you... What would you like to say to the folks who may not have come across you in your 50-plus years in the capital <laughs> city of New Jersey and the two, three, four pages of things that you've been involved in? Well, in 30 seconds, I'm not going to be able to solve all the problems in the world, but I can tell you this. You know, I'm born and raised here in Trenton, so I know what the problems are because I've lived them. But I've watched the North Ward go down, and I'm not going to stand by and just watch it happen. I got to get involved. I got to get engaged. And it's time for a change in the North Ward. If you want to see things improve, I'm saying join with me and give me a chance because I'm committed, I'm competent, I'm prepared. I'm the first African-American research scientist because I'm an analytical thinker. I'm data-driven. And I grew up in the neighborhood. We can represent ourselves. We don't have to look to other people to represent us. We have qualified people that can do that. And I am prepared to do it for you. So I'm asking you to go out and vote on May 8th for Al Ward. My name is Algernon. They're on the ballot, it'll be Al Ward. So we can do this, Northside. You know, I'm from the Northside. I was born on Southern Street. Come on. My opponent was born in Scotland. Who are you supposed <laughs> to vote for? Thank you very much, Algernon, a.k.a. Al Ward.
Um, this is segment two. Um, there will be more interviews and chats with all the candidates coming forward. Please visit the Bridge the Vote Facebook page for more information.